This is So Then What Happened, a series where various types of artists from musicians, dancers, actors, singers, writers, stand-up comics, and so much more share their horror stories from the industry. And these stories will keep you asking, So Then What Happened? Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of So Then What Happened. I am truly honored to have this talent on my show today, the amazing, talented voice actor and author, Casey Jones. Hello. Hi, thanks for being on. I know you are booked and busy. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> You're very welcome. So first, tell me a little bit about yourself as a voice actor and author. Um, I think those are two amazing things. Of course, you're definitely a creative and a talent. So first, start off with how you got there. What made you get into those arenas? Sure. Um, I had a classical uh, theatrical training. I really connected with theater uh, in my younger days in a big way and wound up latching into uh, acting and went to theater school, uh, uh, Shenandoah University for a degree in theater. Um, oh, wow. So you were like a hardcore theater kid and you became a theater adult basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. I acted professionally right out of the gate touring, uh, in Virginia doing educational shows for, uh, the children's of Virginia doing, uh, historical programs and, um, even a show about, like the laws of thermodynamics, like why levers work on a on a seesaw and things like that. First of um, all, that is super cool. I am such a geek. I would watch the mess out of that. And also I'm mm. terrible at history. So I think that would have been the only way I would have learned anything if it was like theatrically performed in front of me. That's actually pretty cool. Do they still do that? Um, I think they might. The touring production was called Theater 4 with the Roman numeral 4. Um, hmm. They were based out of Richmond, and uh, at the time that I worked with them, 20-plus years ago. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to date you. You totally dated yourself, but no shame in your age. You look great for your no age. Shame, no sh well, actually, it's, it, would, it would have been about 20 years because I graduated in class of 02 and mm -hmm. at three. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, we did historical shows. I played Ben Franklin with them. Um oh, and uh, that led to branching out to do some voice acting in the D.C. area uh, after I settled down in Maryland for a couple of years and acted in community theater. Um, wow. And, and I mean, just listening to you, I'm like, obviously you're a voice actor, just listening to your voice. Like, yes, I'd put you on anything. I usually don't write for males. I mean, most of my stuff is female, but yeah, I would love to have your voice in something. It's so clear. I love it. Well, thank you. I tend to think of my voice as a scoop of vanilla ice cream. It is rather yeah. plain by itself, but we have all the toppings. Um, <laughs> one of my first professional voice acting gigs was actually uh, immediately scratching something off the bucket list of playing a cartoon villain. Um, I got, to, I had this audition in Pandemonium. Uh, it was an educational show put together by Discovery Kids. And the, the character was this little purple marker with purple gloves and a little cape for a helmet and a little Dick, uh, Dirk Dastardly mustache. Oh, my God. I had to, like, stifle my laughing. That was so good. Thank you first for sharing that. That was so good. <laughs> um, but getting to record for an actual cartoon villain, you know, for a dozen episodes, 
And like one of the last days of recording, they had a they had me in the booth and they said, OK, uh, we need about 30 seconds of evil laughter. Is that something you think you could do for no. us? Oh, my God. You <laughs> must have loved that. Oh, there's the dog. They want to be on the show, too. Sorry, puppers. <laughs> Bucket list. Um, but yeah, when I was in Maryland, uh, I was acting. I hadn't really latched onto writing yet, professionally or otherwise. Uh, my first graphic novel was still a gleam in the eye. Um, and I was in, I was in a show called Assassins, the Stephen Sondheim musical. Uh, we yeah. did that for Kensington Arts Theater and had an absolute blast. And this was a stretch where I was so preoccupied with staying busy um, and just getting on to the next show, getting on to the next show, um, rather than actually stop and examine why I was keeping myself so busy. Uh, ooh, that's, that's to, a whole nother episode for a whole nother day. Like it just, ooh, but that's important folks. Yeah. Focus on the why of why you're doing things. That is very important overall. I don't care what you're doing work-wise, but that's important. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And, um, I had, I wound up answering an ad and went out to, uh, a park to audition for some, uh, Shakespeare in the park kind of production. Uh, mm -hmm. I was young and full, of, had a head full of steam. And like, even though I didn't really love uh, outdoor performing, um, it was something on my list of like, well, I want to do Shakespeare in the park at least once in my life, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, Wait, so now I'm, I'm noticing you do have this like kind of dope bucket list. Um, what, <laughs> I, I, I want to hear about later also what may be on there, unless you've, you've struck on a few things off before we get into the horror. But I think that's cool that you had this, Listen, you're just like, yeah, do this. All right, I want to do that. Yeah, that's, that's well, what it wasn't so much an official bucket list. And God knows there are horror stories in my life that have nothing to do with performing or auditioning for things. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was one of the things that I wanted to like, if I was going to have a career, I would want to hit certain benchmarks, you know, and like getting paid to act and getting reviewed in the paper. Uh, mm -hmm. These were a couple of the things that I was like, like if I want to feel like a success, these are the things that I want. I need to, you know, get out there and have done. Right. You like build um, your resume also, and all the and experience as well. But build your resume for sure. Exactly. So I was riding pretty high on this uh, on this uh, assassin. I get out there to this uh, to the park theater to audition, and I get there before she does. That is not all. That is not usually a great sign. Um, oh, yeah. She showed up by herself. Uh, there was no one else because, like, sometimes you know, there's going to be an assistant director or someone like there to take notes and whatever. She right. showed up on her own, and like we just sort of like stubbed our toes a little bit over the the small talk and whatnot. Um, and so not off to a great start, basically. Not only did one you show up. <laughs> her but two she had no one with her which is like i don't want to say unheard of but also odd and it's not a it, good sign yeah um, this doesn't sound like it i'm like red flag red flags here red flags there <laughs> so then what happened well then the we shook talk. hands we shook hands just to like try and you know move things along and mm -hmm. i i swear i got a, an honest like spark off of it not like a static spark but like the opposite of chemistry 
Like, <laughs> if you've ever clicked with someone and had an immediate, easy, good time, this is the complete other end of the spectrum where, like, oh, oh, I, I don't think I want to be around this person for longer than yeah. I have to be. No, um, thank you. Energy doesn't lie. That's a big no, thing. Absolutely. No, like, I... I am not always the best at listening to my instincts, but these ones were were ringing uh, before I had even done a monologue. Um, wow. So uh, she asked me to do a monologue, and I did one of Sam Bix from Assassins, and he is a he t he he speaks with a fair amount of of blue language. He swears up a storm. Love and it. she stopped the audition about 30 seconds in and asked me to do it again uh, without the swears. Like, would I mind okay. doing it without the swears? I'm like, uh, okay, that's, that's not how I memorized it. And that's going <laughs> to, you know, throw that's me gonna up mess up your flow. You already knew. Like, that's, is all, wait, not as someone who has not auditioned much. Is that also like an odd thing, a rare thing? Like someone just asked you to change up your monologue. Granted, it was one change which is remove the cursing but is isn't that also very odd or wrong almost well like it's it would be one thing if i were auditioning with like a script or something and they wanted different notes or like okay try it this time with this motivation or try it this <laughs> time with this thought in your head versus right. okay now do this script you've memorized and remove a tenth of the dialogue right um, and still odd. make it conversational and feel like i'm really there Right. Even though I know you're struggling because I just gave this to you on the fly, please just make it work. Yeah. She's not, she, she doesn't sound so great. Um, so, so what happened after the um, quote unquote notes? Well, after the notes, I uh, started over and uh, did the, did, did Sam Bick. Um, for me, finding the character's voice is usually my inroads with them. And I knew Sammy was like this to talk to him. Emo with emotional truth versus <laughs> like, you know, the actual verisimilitude of his background as a person in history. Uh, I found that uh, I could find him through exaggeration um, mm. and like really hit the emotional notes of him with by, you know, really just driving it home. Exactly. Yeah. And so I did the audition and I did the, the monologue and she, I, I don't remember if she'd taken any notes or anything, but uh, after the monologue, she's like, okay, um, I like what I see. I'd like to offer you a part. Um, and it's kind of bad form to, not only is it kind of bad form to put someone on the spot immediately of like, yes, would you like the job or not? Um, right. And I confess, I have done this myself. Uh, I, but I also had someone with me. <laughs> Right, you came a little more uh, prepared and a little more professional looking. Because again, this this solo act lady, it just seems very odd to me. So I can imagine you're just like, uh, yeah. Um, and it's like, um, you know what? I and at this point, my brain was spinning for the most tactful way to respectfully decline. And I think what I'd said to her was, um, I don't think we'd, we'd be a good mix, um, hmm. or a good match. And, and she's like, oh, okay. And I, pol as politely as I could, and went on through my day and went out that evening to perform and told 
my cast was like, I had the weirdest audition today. I'm like, oh, really? I was like, uh-huh. And then <laughs> that night, I get home, and what is waiting for me in my inbox but the biggest F-bomb of an email from, the, from this director who uh, got vicious and personal and like, well, how dare you do this? And like, I can't imagine you think I would ever actually want to work with you. you oh know? my like God. Stung narcissist vibe of like, well, that's... <laughs> Oh my gosh. I think, I think she went home and hit the wine or the vodka. I don't know. And like probably drunkenly sent that email. I mean, yeah, her ego definitely was present, but that's how do you go from, Oh, okay. And then like take the time out of your day to write and probably rewrite this nasty email to someone who you're not going to work with anyway. Like what is even the purpose? Like the, the entire purpose of that email was to confirm the vibe I had picked up in person. Of Amen. like, do I really want to work with this person? Oh, right. No, they've got a massive temper. And yeah. So right. Imagine what was... the set would have been like. Oh no, no, thank you. No, 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 no. I couldn't, I couldn't really feature working with her longer than 10 minutes. I wasn't gonna <laughs> stick around for an entire production out of doors. Do, do you did you ever at any point follow up? Not with her. I didn't want to speak with her, but like, did you ever maybe see the production or hear about the production? I'm just curious, or did it just never even come to fruition? Uh, honestly, I tuned it out at that point. I was like, okay, we're going to move on to other things. Um, and Assassins was a hit, and I went on to audition for other things and went on to do other worky works. Amen. To the, listen, that is, I love this for so many reasons because one, boundaries, obviously, mm-hmm. that's great. Um, but two, like, as you said, trusting your gut. And I'm, I will say it with you. I am definitely also someone who has to be beat over the head with her own gut and doesn't listen. So I'm happy you went with that instinct. And again, you got the confirmation that you needed as well. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, dope. It, yeah. So um, do you have, do you have any upcoming projects? I mean, Assassins, of course, everyone can watch. Um, do you have any upcoming projects you'd like to plug or mention or talk about, you know, social media, website, how people can book you, all those good things? Sure. Um, people can find my website, uh, Casey Jones, CaseyJones.com. I mm-hmm. am now writing cozy mysteries and I'm working on uh, a lovely small town murder called a tisket, a tasket, a biscuit, a casket. Stop and, it. Um, Love that name very much. Just thank you. Thank you. Eat that up. Um, that was- and I'm on Twitter at uh, Clever Case. And I have an author page on Facebook for fans of Casey Jones. Awesome. And I'm now, on uh, Instagram as well as Casey Jones, Casey Jones. Perfect. Also, um, in regards to writing, is there any uh, projects you have and want to promote or anything you have upcoming as well as in the cozy novel and the tisket, tasket, uh, yeah, brisket, basket. Got it. Woo, what a tongue twister. My gosh. <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought about brisket uh, at one point because grilling is a minor plot point for one of the supporting staff, supporting cast. Um, and I thought about a tisket, a task, uh, a tisket, a brisket, a tasket, a biscuit, a casket. Um, but brisket has to be served, uh, is best served hot. And, um, it's also a very slow cooking thing. And the, the tempo of that particular chapter w- was moving too fast for like, yeah, brisket takes too long. Um, I so. thought you were going to have the ultimate pun and be like, the brisket has to be served cold. Oh, sorry, hot. And what's in the casket is cold. But I'm fine. The funeral meats did serve at the wedding table to right. badly paraphrase Hamlet. 
yeah yeah i love it um but yeah any upcoming projects um yeah i i did kind of get the tongue twister out but clearly not um but anything else you'd like to plug anything uh, upcoming and um more importantly i know you said as an author you talked about a graphic novel briefly briefly but you didn't uh, go into that i don't know if it's upcoming or done or if it's in oh, the works it's, it's long done um i so about yeah about 15 years ago um a friend of mine uh, his sister passed away from a truly dreadful form of brain cancer that usually shows up in people in their 90s. And she oh was 19 God. years old. Oh and I helped him grieve. I picked him up from his house. Uh, we went over to mine. We got drunk. We played video games. We cried our eyes out. Mm. And um, the process of helping him with this and feeling it with him um, inspired me. Because I've been a comic book reader my my whole life. Uh, Green Lantern number one was the first thing I picked up in the I want to say early nineties. Ooh, true um, fan! Right? <laughs> and superheroes never deal with loss. Um, if they lose their powers or they die, they get them back, or they come back from the dead, or right. a clone shows up. Like the idea of superheroes who are these role models. Um, dealing with loss and actually going through Kubler-Ross's stages of grief um, was at the time a completely or largely foreign concept. I know that WandaVision has uh, done some really beautiful things exploring grief more recently. Um, but I wrote All Fall Down as a exploration of what a justice league sized pack of heroes or an avengers sized pack of heroes would do if they all lost their powers and um uh all fall down was the result that was published uh in i want to say 2011 uh, so, yeah 2011 through arcana studio and that is available now on comiXology with an x uh that's that's a place where it can still be read it's it hasn't been in print sadly for a good long while to speak of horror stories but um, <laughs> but writing has has been this this hugely important part of my creative journey because I started with acting and I loved acting, um, voice acting even more so. But if the dialogue wasn't there or the line wasn't like, you know, it didn't quite sing, we couldn't do anything about it because we had to stick to the script. And right. No so improv that, here. <laughs> I mean, improv is improv, and I love improv. Long history with that. Um, and oh my God, some horror stories of improv. Um, I was. <laughs> Would I you like to York. share that? Well, at least one, maybe. But while I'm here, we've got time. Um, mm -hmm. I was in New York and um, auditioning, and got onto an improv team. Uh, funnily enough, uh, also cast with someone who had been on an improv team with me in Maryland. Like, mm -hmm. it was like, are you following me or am I following you? Ha, 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 ha. Small world. Small, even small, though small world. world. Um, right. But this was an improv team where they recycled material uh, mm. and encouraged the recycling of material. And I quickly lost my, my taste for um, recycled improv. <laughs> it gets it boring i mean i don't i feel like recycled improv is like a, a con, not a conundrum what is a, a paradox thank you for helping yes it's a paradox it's like but that's like saying dry water or something like i don't know <laughs> improv it's, it's one of those oxymorons um yes. but yeah like repeated repetitive improv went from like huh 
to dull, to annoying, to like, oh God, this again. And we're on stage, <laughs> we're doing a show, and we're supposed to be, you know, feeling it and like having a good time. And it got harder and harder to keep that face on when they're breaking out, you know, the same tired material for the 18th time. Right. And um, they, this was about the time I started producing my own theater. Um, and uh, off of improv time, you know, outside the group, I didn't want to take away from what they were doing, but I did invite a couple of the actors to come audition for me for a show of my own called The Yellow Brick Monologues, which is on YouTube. Um, but uh, characters from The Wizard of Oz got to voice their grievances during the, as the story unfolds. Um, for instance, Toto, uh, uh, <laughs> played by a wonderful actor named Mark, um, Toto uh, complains about the fact that Dorothy won't shut up about how colorful everything is, despite <laughs> Toto being a dog and therefore colorblind. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wait, you, you know what this makes me think of? This makes me think of nowadays, like, you know, quote unquote reality show where they have like the confessionals or whatever, mm -hmm. like where they're doing the one on one with the camera. Like, mm -hmm. that's what I'm imagining, but for The Wizard of Oz. And I cannot wait to watch. <laughs> uh, it is on YouTube. Just Google Yellow Brick Monologues and it will come up. Um, but yeah, the entire show, uh, The Twister has his own drunken monologue. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> The Wicked Witch of the West was played by this wonderful actress named Kristen. And she wound up scaring me so much, I ended up giving her an extra monologue. Oh, um, nice. Where contemplates who this girl is. And uh, there's another one where she contemplates uh, how the wizard is able to get these, uh, these, these simple people to go and follow his commands. And it was kind of an indictment on George uh, W. Bush at the time. Oh, nice. Um, and yeah, uh, but it was a show that I produced and directed and made happen in Times Square of all places. There's this really, there's this tiny theater on, uh, I want to say 8th Avenue, um, <laughs> that uh, the, the ticket sales barely covered the cost of the theater rental. Um, oh. To say nothing of rehearsal space or costumes off of Wizard of Oz costumes.com. Um, like it was, it was a bit of a mess, but it was my mess. Damn it. And it was lovely. Um, <laughs> I love that. It was my mess and it was lovely. That's all that matters. Yeah. Like my nephew was born closing night while I was in a completely different <gasps> state. He was born down in Maryland and I got the text just as we were wrapping up our final show. And wow. so that night we toasted my nephew <laughs> as we Look wrapped up uh, a production in great. Times Square. That's so cool. That be, I think it's great to like do what you love, do what you feel passionate about. And I also want to just rewind a second back with, with your friend that you helped grieve um, mm -hmm. for the simple fact that like, you're not a therapist, you're not a doctor, you didn't buy him anything. Like you literally were just there for him and did what mm -hmm. you could. I think that's important. Like overall, whether it's mental health, whether it's grief, like just be present. That's really all you can do if you don't know what to do, you know? So I think that was like, um, this is like lessons, life lessons and gems that you're also dropping and sharing here in, in addition to the horror. Well, if we're talking about horror stories, like the reason I did six shows over a year and a half back to back to back to back was because I was so painfully lonely that mm. uh, I kept myself working and feeding my workaholic uh, to distract myself. I was like, well, I don't have time for a girlfriend right now. I'm in too many shows. 
etc. Right. I don't. Um, I don't have time to think. I don't have time to be sad. I don't have time to wonder what mm-hmm. I want to do with my life if I just go, go, go. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And it, I mean, it made for some decent acting. I got some lovely reviews <laughs> during that time of my life where I was channeling all that unexpressed pain into something else, mm-hmm. uh, so all out of the stage. But, you know, writing has also been the other way to explore and express those deep feelings. Um, All Fall Down took five years from beginning to end to write and pay for the artwork and uh, get everything organized so that it could go ready to publication. Um, And the fact that it didn't sell was less important to me than the fact that I had finished something that I could be proud of and that looked the way I wanted it to look. Like I, mm-hmm. um, I had reviewed artists, I had sent back notes, you know, I, like I'd worked with like, I want to say four or five different pencilers over the course of those uh, years um, to get this thing looking how I thought that it should look. Um, and since then, my screenwriting career has largely been a result of, yes, I can finish what I start and I can write a story and keep drilling on it. And now I'm uh, still relying on that past experience of, well, yes, I can finish what I start. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be uphill, but I've done it before. Um, nice. And I think that's one of the reasons that I tackled my <laughs> subconsciously tackled my bucket list as early as I did. <laughs> that's great and that's important like because it's one of those things where it's like hey you've been through it you can do it again or one of my favorite quotes is you survived 100 percent of your worst days and i was like that's mm-hmm. like mind-blowing like it, it's so simple but it's like yeah duh you know give yourself credit and just kind of trug through and especially in this field any kind of entrepreneur creative writing you know entertainment creative whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it it's hard man so like <laughs> kudos to you for like really chugging along and, you know, taking lessons with everything, good, bad, and ugly. Like, I think that's really yeah. dope, really smart. Yeah. It's in, it's incredibly ugly. Um, but what I love about the writing process, especially with something like horror, because the, the first three feature scripts that I wrote and sold were horror scripts. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love horror. I love a creative fictional murder, you know, something with some imagination involved. And, <laughs> um, Writing horror was a way of showing this is how we survive. This is how we get through. This is how we endure. And uh, cozies with pun titles and baked goods and a nice hot (laughs) cup of decaf espresso waiting for you. Right. Um, Like now I'm leaning into nesting this lesson of, well, we can survive this. We can overcome this abuse. We can say, no, you don't get to talk to me that way anymore. Um, (laughs) you know, and explore those things uh, while also having artisanal murders and things of that nature. A man there are artisanal murders, as, baked goods. I, I love these. <laughs> I just a man love dressed as the big bad wolf is murdered at a costume party. Uh, he is brained with a jar of jam and stuck with a fireman's pick. It's at the fireman's fundraiser. And he is found face down next to a little basket of goodies that reads from your friends at Z's Bistro. Three different ladies show up at the costume party, all of them with ties to the deceased, all of them dressed as Little Red Riding Hood, and all of them with a little basket of goodies. 
Oh my gosh. Wait, yeah. yes. This, first of all, like I, I do, I do love reading, but this definitely sounds like, a, I, I, want, I don't want to say lifetime movie because they don't always, you know, get it right. Um, but this definitely sounds like something that I would of course want to read and also watch. Is that something you also want to get into in regards to turning your books in, in oh, any absolutely. of your writing? Like this is my, this is, I mean, between you and me, this is low key my plan. Like mm. I've been ghostwriting now for over 10 years and mm. it has not helped my screenwriting career in terms of upward mobility, but mm -hmm. it's increased my, my craft, my, like I've been honing this, this writing drive for a decade. Mm. And now that I'm actually in California, you want to talk horror stories, dying in the <laughs> hospital is a great way to light a fire under your butt to go after your dreams. Um, Wait, did you just say dying in a hospital? So you've died before? Yes, I have died before. It's one of the things that my wife and I bonded over because we both had, <laughs> we've both died before. Um, but yeah, like I moved out to LA to like become a screenwriter and, you know, establish a career and everything. And right. uh, while I've learned that there are no two, like no two paths to success are the same. Mm -hmm. I have decided that, you know, rather than hit my head against the the wall over and over again and not and get the same result, I would try something different. So I'm writing cozy mysteries. I'm trying to build up my own library of IP intellectual property so that, you know, when the time comes and a tisket, a tasket has a few friends on the shelves, um, you know, maybe we can do a, a lifetime series because the, the thing I love about cozies is that, uh, they are meant for general consumption. Like they're mm -hmm. not overly violent. They're not filled with swearing. Agatha Christie is still the number one selling author of all time for a reason. Right. Like, those cozy mysteries, like people latch onto them. They find something in them to come back to over and over and over again. And yeah. now I'm looking in the same place for answers. That's so great. I, I definitely see it in your future because I know you, I I mean, just in the like the synopsis you're giving me, but I know they're good regardless, just just from how you've learned and taken everything from your life and applied it to all your creative processes. So that is super cool. And I know you have a hard out and you're booked and busy. Like I said, you have an appointment soon. So I definitely want to thank you for taking the time out and doing this episode. Um, is there anything else you'd like to tell the fans anything else that you need them to know or like them to know? Uh, you can find the Yellow Brick Monologues on YouTube and my author page, Casey Jones, CaseyJones.com is up. I have my own uh, podcast on Cozy Mysteries called Cozy Cozies uh, that can be found on the same lovely app services as this wonderful program. And um, if you ever want to hear the horror stories of dying and and figuring out what your next steps are from there, I'd be happy to come back. <laughs> oh yeah, I like I like I, I kind of wanted to leave that as the cliffhanger and be like, yeah, you'll have to tune back for another episode because I definitely want to hear that. Absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks uh, so yeah. much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been lovely. Awesome. Have a great one. Talk to you soon.